Well, good morning again. Welcome to Huntsville Christian Church. I forgot when I did my welcome to introduce you who I was. I'm Andy Ellingwood. I'm the associate minister here. Our senior pastor, John Lancaster, is out of town. He's celebrating Christmas with extended family in Florida. So I ha- I'm, I'm at the helm today, so to say. Um, and I got to start off by just saying it's been a week, and it's been a busy week, and I imagine for a lot of you it's been the same, just getting ready for Christmas. Maybe some of you have family coming into town, or you just didn't get all your Christmas shopping done, so you've been running around town all week. And so um, with that, I just want to start in prayer, and then we'll get started in our message. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, uh, God, just um, thank you uh, just for Sunday mornings. Um, God, I thank you for our worship this morning and the songs and celebrating in communion. And uh, God, we're thankful for that. Um, God, this morning, just as we prepare to, to hear your word, I pray that my words would be your words this morning. I pray that, that the things that I say, that we would have open hearts and open minds to, to hear what you would have us learn and, um, this morning. God, uh, just thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been in this series that we're calling Unwrapped, and we've been in, this is our fourth week doing this, and we've been covering all sorts of, of different topics, and, and this morning we're going to be unwrapping this word peace. And I believe that, that as we read through our Bibles and we study that we're going to find three types of peace that we're going to come across. And the scriptures talk about peace with God, it talks about peace with yourself, and they talk about peace with others. And and this morning, I really want to hone in on this, just this last part of that, that last part, peace with others. You know, when you can experience peace with others, you have probably figured out peace with God and, and peace with yourself as well. The way I'm going to approach peace with others is by focusing on one word this morning. And this word is, is complex, and for a lot of us, it's full of emotion, And it's this word reconciliation, if you can see it up there. And if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this word down. If you have your bulletins this morning, uh, it's really convenient. I made all the points on there. So just turn that over, write that word down, reconciliation. And so the big question then is, what does this word actually mean? Now, if you're an accountant in the world, uh, this word is extremely important to you. It means that all the numbers add up. It means that everything balances It means that everything is just right if you're an accountant. But what about the rest of us? What about about that other person in your life? And if we're really honest today, we're going to see that as we're talking about this word reconciliation and, and we're talking about peace, how relevant this topic really is for us today. You know, for many of us tomorrow... We'll be full of moments of family and friends gathered around the table. And for some of you, you may be gathered around the table with people that maybe weren't your first choice for people being there. They're not your most favorite person to be celebrating Christmas with. Or, for ha- or perhaps when you gather around the table tomorrow for Christmas dinner with friends and family, there may not be people there at the table because of this word reconciliation. You know, reconciliation plays a large, large part in, in these holiday moments, so to say, and with those relationships with people around us. Have you ever noticed, and I talked about this with, our, with the youth group a few weeks ago, have you ever noticed that during Christmas time, things seem to be magnified more 
much more than they might other times of the year. Relationships included in this. Not only is the spirit of love intensified at Christmas time, but Christmas seems to shine a spotlight, especially on those broken relationships in our lives. You know, other times of the year, we kind of ignore those broken relationships. We think we can just move on with life and ignore them. But for some reason, for some reason at Christmas time, everything, everything is magnified. Maybe as Christmas approaches, that broken relationship in your life, maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's with another family member. Maybe it's a friend or a coworker. You know, for some parents, maybe it's a son or, or a daughter. Every year, these emotions and relationships move to the forefront of our minds. And the closer we get to Christmas, we start to question ourselves about this. And we start asking things like, you know, should I send them a gift? Should, should we go over there for Christmas? Should I invite them over to our house? When, should we call them? When should we call them? If they call, do I have to answer the phone? Do we send a gift? How much do I spend on that gift? And then when you finally decide, on, you know what, let's, let's just send a card this year. And, and now all of a sudden you're faced with a new dilemma, right? The cards always read something like this at Christmas time. Merry Christmas. Have the most wonderful time of the year. You're the best. This, son, this one says Merry Christmas. I'm not even sure I want them to have a Merry Christmas. Is there a card that just says Christmas? Maybe I can just send that one and sign my name under that. What do you do? How do you respond to these situations? You know, for a lot of us, especially us guys, us men, we just, we just push all that baggage to the side this time of year. We ignore it during the holidays. And it's pretty easy to do that. Everything is so stressful this time of year. We get so busy. You know, we say, I'm just going to work harder this year. I just need to pay attention to all the gifts that I have to get for everyone. Or maybe all the activities that I have to do with all the kids. So, so for a lot of guys, we just, we just kind of leave it there. We just push it all to the side. But then, you know, all of a sudden, Christmas starts approaching. And suddenly it's, it's Christmas Eve. Christmas is tomorrow. And all of a sudden you can't ignore it anymore. And then when you're, you're driving alone in your car, and you don't want to think about it, so what do you do? You do what we all do, right? You put on your favorite radio station, and guess what they're playing this year? Christmas music, right? Christmas music makes everything better, right? Now, if you don't like Christmas music, the good news is you got about 24 hours left of it, then you're back to the regular radio. But for a lot of us, we like Christmas music, right? We love it. The problem is, though, is that a lot of Christmas music we listen to deals with this word, reconciliation. And, you know, for a lot of these Christmas songs, the words, they just pass right by us. We don't even think about what we're singing. 
You know, for example, this year, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas. My son, he, uh, he's, for some reason this year, really wanted a new snow globe. And so we went out, we bought him the snow globe, and it's got Santa Claus. And um, you turn the bottom of it, and it just does. We wish you a Merry Christmas over and over and over and over and over again. But have you ever heard the words to wish you a Merry Christmas? If not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them up. They go like this. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Glad tidings we bring to you and your king. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. But did you know there's another part of this song? It's got a second verse. This is crazy, right? It, this is the second verse. It goes like this. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding and bring it right here. Have you guys ever heard this second verse? Okay, then you probably have the same question I do. What is figgy pudding? I looked it up. I found a picture of it. I really think all you should serve this tomorrow at Christmas dinner. I think this would top the day. It looks unbelievable. There, I, I, there's roots and dates and figs in it. Ooh, yeah. Don't eat it. It looks... It looks awful. Oh, <laughs> here's, here's the point, though. So many of us have heard that song before, right? Tons of times. We sing it all year round. My, it's on our, uh, my son's snow globe. It goes, we just hear it all the time. And the words just blow right by us. You didn't even know what figgy pudding was. You didn't even think about it. And this Christmas... Whatever broken relationship you have with someone may no longer be something that you can overlook or not consider. Like the, the lines of this, this Christmas song, and actually we sang this song this morning. Here, here are a few words from the song. You can put them up. Um, it says, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and, sing his, God and sinners reconciled. From Hark the Angel, Herald, Herald Angels, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We sang that this morning. And for some of you, this word, these words blew right by you. But we sang them. Think about it. Have you ever pondered the words of this song? In the book of Colossians, the, the Apostle Paul, 20 or 30 years after Jesus was crucified, gives us a glimpse of the Christmas story. He, he basically writes the Christmas story without actually saying Christmas in it. In Colossians, here's what Paul says in Colossians. It's in chapter 1, 19 through 20, if you're following along. And it says, For God was pleased to have all his fulfillment dwell in him. The him in here is Jesus, right? This is kind of the mystery that of Christmas is all about. At Christmas, God literally took all of himself and put, the full, put his fullness, everything himself he had, into Jesus. And, and the scripture goes on to say, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. The whole story of Christmas is this word, reconciliation. And if you ever wonder why around Christmas time, our broken relationships get so spotlighted and our lives need a, uh, our, our lives feel like a little bit more weightier. 
It may be due to the details of, of the hows and the whats and the whos and whens and wheres, but not always. I don't want you to be confused. I believe that if we have experienced any of, the, of these questions I mentioned at the beginning of my message this morning in regards to the relationships in your life, and the, and the real issue is reconciliation and peace with others. And I would say this, if you're taking notes, at Christmas, relational tension is magnified because I'm not experiencing the thing I'm celebrating. Reconciliation, we sing about it. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled, right? We sang about it. God, thank you so much for reconciling with me, for forgiving me, for sending Jesus. We are so thankful for that. And maybe this morning God's looking down on us going, that's great, but what about others reconciled? And we go, no, 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 God. You, it's you and me. We're good. We're reconciled. We're good, right? And God says, you think I sent Jesus just to reconcile with you so you and I could be good and not others? Did you read anything I wrote in the scriptures? Did you read anything I wrote in the Bible? And now if you ever read the gospel, Jesus says some of the most disturbing and unsettling things, especially about relationships. He said this once after, after being approached, some religious elite had asked Jesus, says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, the first and greatest commandment is love and love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength to be reconciled to, with God, right? Everybody's nodding their head, right? Yep. And Jesus went on and he said, there's a second commandment though. There's a second one. That's, that's just as equal, it's just as important as the first one. And these two commandments, they can't be separated. It's love your neighbor as yourself. Andy, you're, you're saying this morning I can't be vertically right with God and horizontally not right with other people in my life? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Jesus made it crystal clear. You cannot be vertically right with God and horizontally not right with someone else this way. And some of you right now, you're pushing back in your mind. That person that's, that's popped in your head since the beginning of the service. And, and you know things are out of sorts with them and they're not right. You're probably thinking this whole idea of reconciliation doesn't apply to this situation, right? You and God, you, 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 guys, you guys have an airtight defense, right? And here's the thing, and I hear you, in your defense, right? It was almost always their fault, Right? It, you know, in your defense, they've never taken a legitimate first step. It was their fault, and they've, they've never come back and taken a step forward in reconciliation. That divorce, that business deal that went bad, that family mem- member, what they said about you, they've, nev- they've never done anything to come back and take a, a legitimate first step towards you. You know... In your defense, it costs too much. They can't repay and put the pieces back together. The emotional and the physical pain that they've caused in your life. For them, the repay would be the equivalent of the United States, United States paying back their debt 
all that trillions and trillions of dollars, right? Tomorrow, and that's not going to happen, right? And besides, for some of us, in your defense, you've already tried. And they don't care and won't reciprocate. In your life, have you ever had any of these four in a broken relationship? Of course you have, right? We all have. If you're married, think about what happens every week, every month, every day. Guys, you'll understand me on this one. It was always her fault, right? I mean, she never told you you weren't supposed to, to, to leave your clothes on the ground next to the bed every day. You didn't know that. You can't read her mind. She never took the first step when, when she overreacted towards you because of the minor thing. She never took a first step to reconcile with you. And besides, she can't pay, take back those words she said to you. She called you barbaric for leaving clothes on the ground. That hurts. And you've tried, right? You told her she was wrong, right? Guys, that always works, right? (laughs) You've tried. You cross-examined her. You brought in witnesses that confirmed. And she still, she still didn't care. You know, all joking aside, when you think about these these four things, you know, Honestly, ask yourself, which one of these is toughest for you? Can I tell you my toughest one? It's number two. If I feel like someone's wronged me and they're 51% at fault, I always think, of course they should take the first step. Of course they should. Why should I have to take the first step? Which one's hardest for you? Any one of these four can become our justification for not having to reconcile with someone. I hope that you have been able to see how reconciliation represents peace with others this morning. I will continue to unfold what peace with others can look like this morning as well. And for a lot of us, we do have a relationship that may have split ends, right? We we do. And uh, uh, maybe a friendship that needs mended. Uh, A void because of a lack of someone who used to have a special place in our lives. We can all improve our status of peace with others. Whatever excuse you may have about a a frayed relationship, I'm here to tell you that it's time to throw them out. Throw them out. God could have used every one of these excuses to not reconcile with us, but he didn't. God did whatever it took to reconcile ourselves to him. He did that through the ultimate sacrifice of his one and only son. The baby who was born in a manger made a way for you and for me to have a true relationship with our heavenly father. God invites us to reconcile those relationships daily. His love and forgiveness forgiveness gives us peace. It is now our turn to extend that spirit of grace to others in our lives to find peace with others. Could it be that you and I are withholding the very thing we are celebrating this season? Are our feelings of grudges getting in the way of of peace with others? How can you and I gather uh, together to celebrate Christ's coming and know that we are reconciled with God because of his ultimate plan, regardless of our relationships, but still have a strained relationships at our Christmas dinner tables tomorrow? 
God sent Jesus as our reconciliation. And if we have found peace with God and peace with ourselves, then it's time for us to find peace with others. And to extend it, yes, even during this busy Christmas season. Busyness is not an excuse to not reconcile with someone. In my notes this week, I wrote this down. Deep down inside, what if we're thanking God for not holding us to a standard that we hold other people to? Let's go, I want to go back and look at our defenses, right? Number one, it's, it's almost always their fault. God had to send us a Savior, not because of something He did. Whose fault, whose fault was it that, that He had to send Jesus to, to reconcile with us? It was our fault, right? If we were in a court of law, and I made this cool graph up here for you guys to look at this if we have it. If we were in a court of law, and, and there were parties involved, and, and it was God versus us, right? We're in court, and we were to assign percentages of blame to each other. Do you have this? Is it up there? Okay. Well, it would look like, it would look like something like this. It would be 0% God's fault and 100% our fault. So it's a, and I'm not good with graph and lines and all that good stuff, but this one was super easy for me to read and follow along. I know it's all right if they don't have it, but I had a really a cool graph, really easy to show. But it was all our fault. 100% ours, 0% God's, right? It's all our fault. Romans 3.23 makes that clear, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the verse in, in Colossians that we looked at earlier goes on to say this. It's in, in verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of, because of your evil behavior. And some of you honestly read that and you say, whoa, whoa, what evil behavior are you talking about? Yeah, you remember that first semester at college, right? You remember that spring break. Remember how you treated those other people that one time and the mean things and the, the things you said to them? Remember that girlfriend or spouse, what you said to them and how you treated them? Since the history of humanity, we've given God an endless list of reasons not to reconcile with us. You gave God an endless list of reasons not to reconcile with you. I gave an endless reason of, of reasons to God of not to, of not to reconcile with me. Colossians 1, and 23 goes on to tell us this, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present, your, 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 to present you holy in this sight without blemish and free from accusation. Do you realize if you're here today and you're a Christian, this whole idea of what God did for us, we leverage that all year long. It's like this assumption that, that anything we sin or mess up, it's, it's our fault. And we can, go, we can go to God, and God forgives us. He re-re-reconciles re with us, if that makes sense. That thing you did, those lies you told, God forgives you. This is so amazing, and we leverage this, this, this idea all year long. Every single time we pray for something, you pray for God to forgive you. You pray for, for a safe trip. You, you pray for God to protect your family. You assume that you and God are good. And there's, there's been some sort of reconciliation. It's like if God was sitting here talking to you and he says, Hey, hey, we're good. And you'd be like, you kidding me? 
course we're good, God. And God would be like, yeah, but are you good with him or her or your coworker or your family member? God, that's different. Remember, it was their fault, God. I'm so glad you don't hold me to the same standard when it's my fault. Thanks, God. What about our second defense? They've never taken a legitimate first step. The most amazing thing about Christmas to me is that God took the first step. That's like the best part of Christmas. Romans 5 8, it puts it best. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, while you were still a sinner, God sent Jesus. He did not wait for, for you or I to take the first step. Uh, I love how the message version puts this uh, in, in Romans. It says this, He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. Can you imagine God up in heaven with his arms crossed like this looking down on us? I'm not sending my son down there, not until you get your act together and you take the first step. We'd still be waiting. We'd still be waiting today. Think about your kids. And I know this is so true for my family. For me and Lindsay, this, yeah, your kids do something wrong, right? And you try to approach them. You want to talk to them and talk it out. They run off screaming to their room and they slam their door shut, right? And some of you, you kids, uh, or some, some, of, some of you have kids that are so strong-willed, right? They'd still be in the room today if we didn't go and knock on their door. They'd still be mad at us. Maybe some of you still do that. Why did you take the first step even when it wasn't their fault? One word, love, right? Love. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus for you. God took the first step. He always does, too. You may never be more like Jesus than when you take the first step toward reconciliation with others. Number three, it costs too much. They can't repay and put the pieces back together. I love what it says in Colossians 1.19. We, we read it earlier. For God was pleased to have all of his fulfillments dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. And then the very next part gives us a clear picture of what it cost God. What did it cost God? By making peace through what? An email? A spot at your dinner table? A letter? A plane ticket? A really awkward conversation? Is that, is that what it took to cost God to reconcile with us? Stop and think about this for a moment. What did it cost God? The scripture says this, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's what it cost him. You know, in Jesus' day, the most painful and humiliating way to die was to be crucified. A lot of historians believe that when someone was, was crucified them, they, they didn't necessarily hang them in front of the city on top of a hill, but inches from the ground. And that way, when we people walked by them, they could look them right in the eye. And oftentimes, they would spit in their face. That's how some of you feel this morning. That's how some of you feel about your broken relationship. What that other person did to you. You feel like they spit in your face. 
And listen, listen, God knows exactly how you feel. God reconciles with us. He wasn't able to, to snap his fingers and remove all the pain you've caused. And just like, just like you, if you tried to reconcile with someone, with someone else, you're not going to be able to snap your fingers and all that pain and damage just goes away like that. All it might take for you to reconcile with someone this Christmas could be a letter. It might be an awkward conversation. It might be an awkward phone call. It, it might be sitting down over coffee. No matter how afraid or fearful you might be, peace with others, that, that other person in your life, that broken relationship in your life, peace with others is, is worth, it's worth it. It's, peace with others models the relationship Christ wants to have with us. It's never intuitive. It will never cost you to reconcile with someone else, ever. It will never cost you to reconcile with someone else what it costs to God for God to reconcile with you. Some of you are here this morning and you're like, I get that, Andy. This is a really good message. Spot on. But it just doesn't apply to me. Because, that, because, that, because of that person in my life, I've, I've already tried. I've already tried doing all those things. I've already wrote the letter. I already had coffee with them. I already made that awkward phone call. And they just didn't care. So, Andy, if I tried this Christmas, they're not going to care again. They're not going to reciprocate. And I would say this to you. Neither did you. How many times did God come running after you to offer reconciliation? Some of you left God in the rearview mirror. For some of you, God is still chasing after you. And for others, you've been saying, I'm not interested. I don't care. And that's why you're here today. God never withdrew, never withdrew his offer of reconciliation just because we wouldn't receive it. When it comes to reconciliation, God could have said, I've already tried and I don't care. But God never withdraws his offer of reconciliation to you just because you wouldn't receive it. Why don't we use that same standard with other people in our lives? So as Christmas Day approaches, right, it's just hours away, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate what God came, that God came when we didn't deserve it. This morning, we're going to celebrate that he took the first step when we never would have. This morning, we're going to celebrate that it cost him more than we could ever repay. And this morning, and he continues, we're going to celebrate that he continues to offer it even when we, ref even when we refuse to receive it. So here's what I want to propose today. Why not demonstrate what we celebrate? If we're going to celebrate what God did for us this Christmas, why would we not demonstrate to others in our lives, as hard as that may be, in spite of any of, any of and all excuses? There are some things that you can do. And I want to get really practical with you. So take notes. Make the first move. Make the first move. Why don't you make the first move this year? Some of you won't make the first move because you, make, you think it makes you look weak. It's the exact opposite, though. It makes you look strong. 
The most mature person always makes the first move. Always. Why don't you be the bigger person even if it wasn't all, even if, if it wasn't all their fault? Second thing we can do, we're going to handle this with humility. You have to approach this with humility. Think about how God approached us on Christmas. If I was God, I wouldn't have done it the way he, God did, right? Probably none of us would. I probably would have sent like lightning bolts, made an earthquake. There would have been unicorns. I don't know. It would have been crazy if I sent Jesus down, right? But that's how we like to do things. That's how we like to approach it. Some people like to approach it with their, their fists up, ready to fight, right? That's not how God approaches us. He never did and he never will. He sent a little baby on a simple night. He was born in the equivalent of the, uh, he was born in the equivalent of like the worst Motel 6 you've ever seen. That's how God approaches. Because that's how we, he wanted to show that he loved us. He approached us with humility. And if you want to reconcile with someone else, you have to approach them with humility too. Third thing we can do, remember, you own the offer, not the result. You own the offer, not the result. This may be what many of you need to hear today. This is why you're here. Reconciliation is is a two-way street. You You don't own reconciliation. You own the offer. You don't own the results. If you approach with humility, though, I think you're, you're going down a good path. And so here's the takeaway today. Who do I need to reach out to before 25th? It's just hours away. Think about that. Why let another Christmas go by feeling the weight and burden of knowing that there's a relationship that you know is not reconciled? You know, I've been in, in ministry for, for just over 10 years now. And it's long enough to know some of you are just going to walk out of this room like we never had this sermon. You're just going to walk out of here. You're going to re- let your pride get in the way. You're going to push all of this baggage to the side again another year. I know. I've been in ministry long enough. For those of you, though, who will move beyond your fear... Men, you men, who will, who will decide to be a man's man and to be a leader and take the first step, this could be the Christmas that changes everything for you. Something has to change. You can't go another Christmas with the same old baggage. You cannot keep on carrying the same old stuff with you. Letting your family wonder why every time this year you get a little cranky when you hear a Christmas song. Why would you let another Christmas go by? Here's the bottom line. This Christmas, would you be so bold to demonstrate what you celebrate? Would you be so bold to demonstrate what you celebrate? And this morning as we come to our response time, and we've, we've, we've talked about this word reconciliation, maybe this is the year you haven't, you've never had the chance to reconciliate your relationship with God Man, we, we have a baptistry that's open. We'd love for you to baptize and know what reconciliation with Christ looks like. And man, that's, it's just such an awesome moment. Or maybe this week, it's been a tough week. Christmas is coming. You've been busy. There's been a lot on your plate. 
and you're thinking about that person that you need to reconcile with and you just need some prayer. Our elders are here. We would love for you to come forward and we would love to pray for you. Or maybe you just, you're looking for a church home and you, you love Huntsville Christian Church and you like the things that are happening in our community. And as we come to our time of response, I want to encourage you to come forward. So let's stand and sing.